teach. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your patience toward us. And, God, we thank you that you teach us, you chasten us, you're so gentle with us. You woo us in. You go after the lost sheep. We've all been that, and you've gone after us. Lord, I thank you that you are giving us the opportunity to love on your children. And I ask tonight that you would anoint me and that you would help me to be able to impart the lesson that I so strongly feel like you have given to me. Please don't let me butcher it. I ask that you help me to speak it the way you gave it to me with love and gentleness of heart. And let it be received by your people in Jesus' name, amen. So to Michelle that's watching from California, I'm glad that Jonathan reminded you tonight was Wednesday night. We need you. I told Jonathan I would miss it if your mom wasn't joining us live stream. She's very faithful from California. I think it's like 412 there or 512. It's, she's having church early. Okay, so I am on part two of the series, The Healthy Church. Part two is The Church as a Mother. I am on lesson three. Uh, for this part two called The Church as a Mother. And I will tell you, this is a hard topic to teach on because I am obviously teaching to men and women. So how in the world do you teach a series titled uh, The Church as a Mother to a House Full of Men? I could not do it if it weren't for Peter and if it weren't for Paul. Peter and Paul give us the perfect examples for what this means. So if you, if, if you feel lost, if this is your first lesson and you feel lost, go back and watch two Wednesday nights ago and then go back and watch last Wednesday. You can get those on um, YouTube. You can look up CCOET. Two weeks ago, I brought out several scriptures that I'm not going to repeat tonight just for time's sake. But um, I brought out several scriptures where Paul uses the analogy of a mother as he's referring to caring for the people that, that he is leading, okay? He refers to the analogy several times in the Word of God, the analogy of a mother caring for spiritual babies um, as he refers to the, the followers of Christ that he is stewarding. Um, and then last week... I use the, the, the very popular analogy of a sheep and a shepherd that is used all through the Word of God. And we used Peter as the example of showing us how to care for the Lord's flock. Let me give you these scriptures, but I'm not going to read them. Paul's scriptures where he's referring to uh, the analogy of a mother, you can find that in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. And then... Um, 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, and also 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 and 2. That's where Paul is using the analogy of a mother. Then um, when I referred to Peter and the shepherd and sheep analogy, I used the text 1 Peter 5, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Let's go ahead and put that one up. This is where I... This is where I, um, what I used last week, and you'll see the picture of Bryce and a lamb behind that. That's the picture of what Paul is teaching, or excuse me, what Peter is teaching us here. He says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. We are, who is Peter talking to here? He's talking to the church. This series is to the church, okay? He says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. This is us. He is speaking to one more. And when the chief shepherd, somebody shout that name. Who is the chief shepherd? And when Jesus, the chief shepherd, appears... You will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Thank you, baby. This tropical drink is so good and so tart, so thank you for... <laughs> All right. So, 
Peter is teaching us here that we have a flock that the Lord calls his flock that, that he has entrusted. That's a big word that he is, is trusting us to care for. Everyone say care for. So last week I talked about the care of a mother. What I hope to impart to us today is more of our responsibility to God. Everybody say responsibility, responsibility. to God. Okay, we got to get our eyes on God. This is not a responsibility to the flock. It is a responsibility ultimately to God, okay? So we have, as, as his church, we have a responsibility to God in caring for his harvest. Um, or I can put it this way, as Paul puts it. We have a responsibility to care for his spiritual babes in Christ. The people he's bringing to us, Paul teaches us they are babies in Christ, so I'm going to read um, several sentences here. I'm going to take an excerpt from, it's, it's actually a New York Times bestselling book called Boundaries. I think the marriage class started it last night, and it is outstanding. I'm going to read a few sentences from this book. I trust this book. It's a book that's proven to be trustworthy. It's a classic. It is one that is timeless, and um, it, is, it is a a very reliable resource to depend on. So I feel like it's enough to, to start this lesson with. All right. Tune in. This is very important. The book states this, and I quote, our deepest need as human beings, okay? As human beings, our deepest need is to belong, to be in a relationship to have a spiritual and emotional home. The very nature of God is to be in relationship. God is love, says 1 John 4 and 16. Love means relationship. The caring, committed connection of one individual to another. Like God, our most central need is to be connected. Everyone say to be connected. When God said that it wasn't good for the man to be alone, he wasn't just talking about marriage. He was talking about relationship. Other people outside of ourselves to bond with, to trust, and to go to for support. We are built for relationship. Attachment is the foundation of the soul's existence. How many of you see that to be true for your own life? You need somebody to relate to. You need somebody to attach to. You need someone to connect to. You need to belong. So some of the key words that this book, the author of this book is bringing out as he is describing the deepest and most foundational need of people, okay? The deepest and most foundational need of people, all right? Here's the words he uses. To belong, to have and be in relationship, to have a spiritual and emotional home, to have a caring and committed connection, to have someone to bond with, to have someone to trust, to have someone to go to for support. All right. So last week I referred to and compared human beings to sheep. And I explained that left alone, we are vulnerable, weak, unable to protect ourselves, unable to provide for ourselves, unable to guide ourselves and I explained that we require a shepherd. But since Paul referred to the people he was discipling as babes in Christ, then I want to compare all of the new people that God is bringing in and entrusting to our care as a church. Let's compare them to babies, okay? Babies are vulnerable. Babies are weak. Babies are unable to protect themselves. 
Babies are unable to provide for themselves. Babies are, are unable to guide themselves. Babies were designed to require a mother. So, Brother Bill, will you put the pictures up there of Lexi? And, Josh, would you bring me Briley for a second? So, whether you want... Yeah. I love babies. Hi there. I know that she will let me hold her. Don't cry. So, whether you want to look at the harvest as innocent sheep who are weak, vulnerable, unable to protect themselves, unable to guide themselves, unable to provide themselves, or whether you want to see the, the spiritual babes in Christ that God is giving us as babies. We're not putting her down by calling her weak. I can't just say, all right, baby girl, take off. I mean, she's not ready. She's wobbly. She's weak. I'm not putting her down by calling her vulnerable. I'm not putting her down by saying that she's unable to provide for herself. I mean, honestly, right now, if this baby did not have a mother and a father, how far could she go and how long would she make it? So whether you want to see the harvest as a lamb or a baby, make sure you know that they are coming to us vulnerable, weak, unable to protect themselves from the devourer, unable to provide for themselves, unable to guide themselves, and they were designed to need mothers. All right? Give her a hand just for being cute. Okay, so if, if, if you're a gentleman in the house and you have a hard time with this um, series, The Church as a Mother, you can just say the church as a shepherd, all right? We have to have, it's the same part there. Whichever one allows the lesson to be properly and fully imparted to you, look at it that way. And here's why. Because we have a harvest that I can't say is on its way. I can say a harvest is on its way, but there's a harvest that's already here. Like now we have to be mothering. Now we have to be shepherding. We need this paradigm now immediately. Yes, there is a harvest coming, but yes, there is a harvest already here that needs to be cared for, protected, and guided. And every spiritual babe that Jesus is sending our way, that he is entrusting us with, we have a spiritual responsibility to take care of them. Okay. So with that being said, let me give you tonight's lesson title. You ready? The Heart of a Mother. The Heart of a Mother. The Lord really spoke to me today as I was putting this lesson together. I felt I could feel it. I felt it like fire shut up in my bones. Honestly, I did. I felt it. I could feel it like fire shut up in my bones. I felt, I don't remember who I texted, maybe Lexi. I said, I feel the presence of God so strong inside of me right now. So that's why I asked that he helps me to get it out. Okay, so we must understand that there are both good mothers and bad mothers. That's why I can't just say the heart of a mother. I have, without explaining, how many of you know a good mother? Raise your hand. Okay, the sad truth is what we're about to see. How many of you know, and I'm not saying it's yours, but you know of a bad mother. That's the sad truth, okay? God created the mother to be loving, caring, nurturing, and a wise and effective teacher. Yet we know that Satan has taken this beautiful design of a mother and warped it so that today the sad reality is there are mothers that abuse their children. There is such a thing as that, okay? 
There are such a thing as mothers who hate and despise their children. There are such a thing as mothers who abandon their children. There are such a thing as mothers who destroy their children's lives. And the sad truth is there are mothers who kill their children. There are mothers whose children don't feel safe with them and whose children don't feel loved and celebrated by them. There are, there are mothers who only point out the wrong in their children's lives and never praise them for the good in their life. That is a sad reality. And it's painful to talk about because chances are you may have a loved one that that falls under. Like you, your mom may have pointed out all the wrong you did. Your mom may have never saw any good in you. So I have to talk about this tough, tough subject, and here's why. Because if the enemy had his way, Covenant Church would be a bad mother. Why? He doesn't care that we're a mother as long as we're not a good mother. Why? Because people are looking for a place to call home. People are looking for a place to find hope. People are looking for a place to connect, a place to build relationships. People are looking for a place to be embraced because the world offers plenty of opportunities to be rejected. People are looking for a place where they can bond with others, where they can trust others, and where they can receive health and support and leadership. So the enemy doesn't care that we know we're supposed to take on the role of a mother. He just doesn't want us to take on the role of a good mother. As pastors, I put this in my notes because I wanted to make sure I said it. As pastors, my husband and I vow that this church will be a church with a mother's heart. This church will be a church with a mother's heart. This is third generation pastors that have a strong conviction of this. My grandfather was known for saying, if you knew my grandfather, raise your hand. There's not many people left that, that knew him. Aunt Pam, what did he always say? I love this church. I, and he would just tears streaming down his face in the pulpit. He would say, I love this town. And he never stopped there. He said, I love this area. How many of you heard him say that? Yep. Many, many, many times. I didn't realize, you know, I was a kid and I heard it so much. I didn't realize that it was going to be so important for me to, for that to be ingrained in my heart. Then my mother and dad who... Um, were the second generation pastors, they established that Covenant Church is this. And this, this was our logo before it was continually better. It was a church with a heart, the church with a heart for East Texas. You remember seeing that? The heart, first church on the hill, the church with a heart for East Texas. We promise to God with everything inside of us that we will pastor you and impart to you a mother's heart. Would you show the video? This is what a mother's heart looks like. Not the same as last week. Okay, so you see how they felt comfortable and they wanted to nudge up against her and they didn't know that they couldn't eat her shoestring, I think as she said it. They didn't know that they couldn't eat her sunglasses, but the heart of a mother said, hey, and embraced and invited. And when that baby went after something that would harm it, she didn't say, what are you thinking? 
She said, she taught. Don't eat my shoestring. <laughs> no, you can't have that. And so, don't get me wrong. A mother can teach. But a mother does not have to be what I'm going to talk about in a minute. And that is a wrist-slapping nanny that does not love the people it's trying to correct. Okay? Would you play that video one more time? And I want you to see it from a church and a spiritual baby. You embrace, you invite. This was not planned, by the way. Okay, so that was not planned, but that is exactly the picture of what we're going to talk about that is our responsibility, okay? So we are a church with a heart for East Texas. We are determined to be the church now beyond a heart for East Texas. We have a heart for California. We have a heart for Asher and his family in Thailand. We have a heart for Adriana, 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 I hadn't got it right, in Florida, we have a heart for people all over this place. A mother's heart never runs out of space. Okay? Yet, at the same time, we, we need to talk about this because there is the opportunity. There is the opportunity to be, um, to have another type of a mentality. Let me, let me read it the way I wrote it. We must be aware of Satan's schemes. And tonight I'm going to talk about two mentalities that Satan would love to fill God's church with. He would love for these two mentalities to creep into the church and replace the heart of a mother with these other two mentalities, okay? Number one. Satan would love nothing more than to replace the church's heart of a mother with that of the heart of a wicked stepmother. This is what the Lord showed me today. What's, what is the heart of a wicked stepmother? We'll look at Cinderella. The heart of a wicked stepmother says this, I'm your father's bride, but I am not your mother. I am married to Jesus and I am saved, but I don't care about you. A church with a wicked stepmother's mentality says, I belong to Christ. He is mine. He has redeemed me and I love him, but I don't care about his children. The heart and the attitude of a wicked stepmother says, I have a heart for you, Father. I have a heart for you, but I don't care about who you father. Pull me in close as your bride and love me and give me all the benefits, but don't bother me with your children. This attitude that the enemy would love to creep into churches says without saying, says with a facial expression, says with body language, I love your father, but I don't love you. I dance around and I care about being in your father's presence, but I don't care about you. This mentality so often can lead to what would be called an elitist, elitist mentality. And that is where people who claim to be saved Christians, they want to favor who they want to favor and exclude who they don't want to love. 
They want to choose who they claim and love, but they don't want to see everybody as their husbands, which Christ is the bridegroom, as their husband's children. They want to determine who's lovable and who's not and favor some while seeing the others as just a number. John put it this way, 1 John 4 and 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Now, if John were using here the, the mother analogy that Paul was using, then John would say, if someone says, I love God, but hates God's children, that person is a liar. For he who does not love God's children, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from our husband, Christ, that if we're going to love him, we must love his children also. The person that you don't like, if you have a tendency to favor some over others, just know that the person you don't favor, God loves them as much as he loves you. Would you show that next picture, please? The enemy would love for the church to be like this. The enemy would love for the church to have the heart of what you see here. Two, and even the enemy at that point wouldn't mind how many spiritual babes came into the church because he would know they're going to be hurt. They'll come in, they'll get their wrists slapped, they'll be rejected, they'll be unfavored, they'll be cast to the side, they'll be... Um, disciplined without love and then that works perfectly for him because then they have the mental picture that their father looks like this go to the next one yep okay so a church that has the wrong mother's heart that is like this go back presents to spiritual babes who are being drawn by the father, a father that loves them and puts them in the care of a mother to, to bond with, to connect with, for their foundational, most foundational, most basic needs to be met. When they get placed in the care of this type of church, they run from a father that they feel like is like this. So number one, I think stepmothers are beautiful. I have watched some of my closest friends be the most beautiful stepmothers. Stepmothers have the opportunity to bring healing, to bring love. Stepmothers have a, a beautiful anointing. Stepmothers have a huge opportunity, and they, they are a tool that God can use to bring healing. But a wicked stepmother brings death, spiritual death and destruction. And a church who has a congregation with people of the mindset of a, spirit, a, a spiritually wicked stepmother who wants to be close to the father but have nothing to do with his children bring spiritual destruction to spiritual babies. Number two, the second mentality that Satan would love to fill God's church with, I already said it, is that of a wrist-slapping nanny. This is not a mother, but an overseer. This mentality is a position-oriented mentality of, I just want to make sure you know who I am. 
I don't care about you, and I don't care how this hurts you. All I care about is I hope you know who I am. I will have a heart for you if and when it benefits me. I will have a heart for you when the Father is watching so I can receive my paycheck. I'm hired, but I don't love you. I don't care for you. I just want to oversee and boss you. Something that my father-in-law said that has been deeply ingrained in my heart is this. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's worth writing. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. A wrist-slapping hateful nanny, Christian, says, I'll act like I love you to save face, but when no one's looking, I'll treat you however I want to treat you. There is so much scripture for this. I was blown away as I started typing these notes and scripture after scripture after scripture just started coming to me. Let's look at what Jesus said. John 10, 11, 12, 13, chapter 10, verses 11, 12, 13, and 14, and 15. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, a wrist-slapping, hateful nanny, who is not the shepherd, who doesn't have a heart of a mother, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I put this question, what happens to someone who's guilty of not caring for someone Jesus died for? What happens to the church that is guilty of not caring for someone that Jesus cared enough about to die for? What does Jesus say again? He says in Luke 6 verse 27, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. And then he doubles down. He says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? We cannot be Christians that pick and choose who we favor and who we love. That is not what God called us to do. He, he triples down for even sinners love those who love them. And then he quadruples down. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? I want to ask every single one of us as a church, how are we treating people that we don't trust, that we don't like, and that we're not sure about? How are we treating them? I can't control what your face looks like at the door. But Jeremy Driver and I will declare that this is not a house that favors one over the other. This is not a house that has elitist tendencies. This is a house that if Jesus died for them, we're going to love them. Jesus carries on. Six, Luke chapter 6 verse 35. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, you be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Now let's see what else Jesus. I liked this example. Brother Bill, if you'll go to Mark chapter 9, verse 38. I've never noticed this until as I was studying today. Notice the elitist mentality that John had here and notice how Jesus shut it down. Now, John, who refers to himself in the book of John as the one whom Jesus loved. Did you know that? 
John knew he was loved by Jesus. He was, he was one of the three sons of thunder. And he doesn't use his own name in the book of John, but he uses, um, he uses the phrase, the one whom Jesus loved. Okay? So in Mark, Mark will call him out though. Mark says, now John answered Jesus saying, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him and slapped his wrist and told him not to because he doesn't follow us. But Jesus said, don't you dare forbid him. Don't you pick and choose who you qualify and who you think is disqualified. Do not forbid him. For no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. He who is not against us is on our side. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. I had to keep reading all of that to say this. But, John, I'm telling you, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. We will not qualify and disqualify. See what else Jesus said, Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. Listen, they're coming and they're going to bite your shoestrings. And they're going to try to eat your glasses. And they're not going to look like you. And they're not going to smell like you. And they're not going to act like you. And you're going to love them. Okay. Matthew 25 and 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Inasmuch as you shun the least of these, inasmuch as you disqualify the least of these, inasmuch as you slap the wrist without love of the least of these, inasmuch as you judge without a heart of a mother the least of these, you did it to me. Jesus said, I'm putting myself between you and them, and whatever you do to them, you do to me. Let's look at Jesus' heart and action here. John 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 2. Now, early in the morning, i got to go fast for time's sake. Now, early in the morning, he came, Jesus came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Get your ruler out. We're ready to slap her wrist or better yet, the law tells us we should stone her. But what do you say? And this they said, testing him. The problem is when you want to pull the ruler out and slap a bunch of wrists, you're testing Jesus. This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down And I wish I knew what he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Listen, as though he did not hear. When you treat Jesus' people with, I'm not saying we can't correct. I'm not saying we can't teach. But when you do it without the heart of a mother, when you do it without loving, Jesus will ignore you as if he does not hear you. And then he will say, everyone involved without sin, throw the stone. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one. So what does love look like? Love looks like this, 1 Corinthians 13. Please understand, I'm not saying we can't teach. We can, we, we can direct. It's the heart behind it. If you don't love somebody, do not correct them. If you don't love someone, then don't say a word to them. If you need to just get on Facebook and get on to everybody that you see that's topping something that you don't like, 
restrain yourself because you don't have the right heart for it. Okay? If you need to get somebody in front of others and point out all their faults, restrain yourself because you don't have the right heart for that. If you don't care how they receive what you're saying, silence your voice because you don't have the right heart. It should pain us. It should pain us to have to bring correction. Some of the hardest things to do as a pastor is to bring correction. I can't hardly bring myself to do it. Why? Because I don't want to harm. I don't want to hurt. And if, if, if you are excited to bring correction, you need to pass it to somebody who loves the person more than you do. So what does love look like? This is what love looks like, and this is how we will look. I'm convicted because love, 1 Corinthians 13, that has Lexi as the picture on purpose. This is how we're supposed to look. Love suffers long and is still kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. If you ever see yourself as higher than somebody else, you are guilty of lacking love and God is love. So you're guilty of lacking God. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. And if you cannot love, then you don't have God because God is love. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It this, I need, I, I wish every Christian in the world could hear this message, not because I'm worthy to teach it, but, but because it's going to step on every single one of our toes. Keep going, Brother Bill, the next one. Love does not behave, behave rudely. Love does not 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 behave rudely. Don't be rude in the sanctuary. Brother Joe, here we go. And don't be rude in the lobby. And don't be rude in Walmart. And don't be rude out in public. Let God change our hearts in this place. And we will be love that does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Love. And God is love, believes all things, bears all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So let me ask you, um, DC, do you have the music? What kind of mother do you think we have been called to be? To the saints. To the saints. I am preaching tonight the heart of of a mother. Please key in on this. The spiritual babies, let me tell you. Do you know they don't see well? A, a real baby doesn't see well when it's born. Did you know that? A real baby doesn't see well when it's born. Spiritual babies can't see your heart. But they can see your actions and they can feel your actions. Spiritual babies can't see your heart, but they can see your facial expressions. Spiritual babies can't see your heart, but they can see your body language. They can't see your heart, so all they have to go on is your tone, your words, your little remarks that you stick in like when you have just... You know, that place between the period and the next sentence and that remark that gets slid in there. That's all they have to go on. And you can say you love all you want, but if your actions and your tone and your words and your facial expressions and your body language doesn't say love, they'll never receive it as love. Remember what I said at the beginning. Remember what I said at the beginning. 
the deepest need of human beings is to belong is to have and be in relationship to have a spiritual and an emotional home to have a caring, committed connection, to have someone to bond with, to have someone to trust, to have someone to go to for support. And that is what Covenant Church will offer. That is what Covenant Church will offer. It doesn't matter if they're the richest person in the world or the poorest person in the world, the smartest person in the world or the dumbest person in the world. They can connect here. They can belong here. They can find the love that they are looking for here. They can trust here. So to the saints, I ask us tonight to check our hearts. If you're burnt out and you're tired and you're weary, you need the Lord to restore your soul. Refresh your heart so you can have a heart for the people he died for. If you're a leader and you're tired and you've been burned by a lot of people, all I can do is introduce you to the restorer of your soul and let him restore because you're not finished yet. We haven't even seen the half of the harvest yet. And the harvest is fun to talk about, but the harvest is hard to love. And you're going to have to be kind. And you're not going to be able to have favoritism. And you're never going to be able to behave rudely and us sign off on it. To the spiritual babies. This, this series is to the church. But if you're a spiritual baby, I'm going to give you 60 seconds of a sermon for you. If you need to belong, welcome to Covenant Church. You belong here. If you need to be embraced... You're surrounded by a group of people that will not judge you, but will embrace you. If you need to connect, you're surrounded by people that will love you and put themselves out there, unafraid of whether or not you can hurt them. They are not afraid to trust. They are not afraid to love. If you need to trust again, you have a trust worthy spiritual mother here if you need to feel hope let us assure you you have so much hope you have a spiritual mother ready to embrace you and love you and welcome you home stand to your feet it doesn't matter what your life looked like yesterday it doesn't matter how terrible you've been. It doesn't matter how lost you've been. It doesn't matter how disoriented you've been. It doesn't matter. I want to invite you. You're welcome to these altars. We're going to love you. We're going to guide you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to care for you. And then if you need the heart, if you need to repent for not having the right heart for the people of God, then I want you to come. Like she can go ahead and sing. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I need you. Lord, give us a heart for you. Oh, give us a heart for your children. We repent for being weary. We repent for not loving like we should. Forgive us if we've hurt. Forgive us if we've not cared. if we've been entitled or had favoritism. for 60 more seconds no matter whether you feel like this pertains to you or not I'm asking you to please open your heart and let God come in and show you what he needs to show you 
If you feel lost right now, I'm asking that you open your heart. There's restoration for you. And those with love, I'd like somebody to just come lay a hand on every person at the altar. You don't have to talk in their ear. You can just, just show love. They just need to connect. They just need to feel like they belong. Yeah. 